Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place with host Rob Keck. Your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host. And no question about it, spring has sprung. It's great to be with you today, and what a wonderful show we have for you. And, you know, I look out uh, in my backwoods, and I see yellow jasmine. There's actually wild azaleas that are popping out. And turkey season over much of the southern U.S. is opening up during this month and beyond. Well, the gobbling action's picking up, and this week's show, once again, is going to focus on America's largest big-game bird, the wild turkey. Today... We're going to spend the entire show getting another lesson in turkey calling from the only caller to have won every major turkey calling championship of our time. He's a five-time Grand National calling champion, two-time uh, team calling Grand National champion. He's the Grand National champion of champions, world champion in both the open and friction divisions, world team champion, and 16-time U.S. Open champion. And he's won the Masters and the Mid-America Open my good friend Walter Parrott. He's going to share not only his calling tips uh, that he's going to use this season, but share some of the strategies that go along with some of these calls to to make you a better turkey hunter. Maybe you can pick something up that will be helpful for you this spring. But before we meet today's guest, I just want to say that uh, if you're looking for the latest and the best turkey gear, calls, vests, ammunition, camo, and maybe a new turkey gun, you've got to come on out to the nearest Bass Pro Shops or Cabela's destination retail store. You're going to find friendly folks there with extra expert advice, and as well, all the top brands at the very best prices. Also, uh, if you are not a Bass Pro Shops Club member, you need to be. Special trips, gear, and more, uh, they become available to all of our club members, and it is awesome. Apply today to get this very special offer. Check us out at BassPro.com slash club. Also, Bass Pro Shops honors and contributes to our men and women in uniform by hosting monthly military discount days. And during every month, military discount days begin on the 15th of the month and last for one week. The 10% military discount off regular price merchandise uh, will be given at checkout by simply showing your military ID. We salute you, and we certainly thank you. Well, to get us started in our show, our guest is the best of the best. He's received special recognition at last year's National Wild Turkey Federation Convention. He was recognized as the only five-time Grand National Calling Champion, but at this year's convention, just a month ago, he was inducted into the Grand National Hall of Fame. He's a fellow member of the Redhead Pro Hunting Team. He's with us today. Welcome, my good friend, Walter Parrott. Walter, welcome back once again to Outdoor World. Well, thank you, Rob. I'm glad to be here with you. Well, you know, it is goblin time, and uh, I just want to say congratulations on your induction into the Grand National Hall of Fame. And how does it feel to be enshrined there, uh, you know, in this pre- prestigious hall? How does it feel? Well, I'll tell you, uh, it's humbling for sure, and, and definitely an honor, you know, and it's something I I really never dreamed of anything like that. You know, just like you, you know, I grew up 
hunting the wild turkey and just fell in love with them. And, and a lot of times that's all I know you and I both thought about was just hunting and, and our next opportunity to go and, and trying to figure it all out. And it's just such an exciting time of year, you know, it's just uh, unbelievable. Well, it is. And, you know, to be recognized by your peers and, uh, and so many others, uh, I mean, it's just one of those things you add to your career and, uh, you know, the many other accolades that you've gotten. And, uh, you know, with this kind of recognition, is that going to change anything in the way you turkey hunt? (laughs) (laughs) I doubt it. (laughs) You doubt it. What do you think the turkey is going to respect you better now that, uh, now that you're a member of of the hall of fame? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But for the benefit of our listeners, does every turkey you call come to your call? Absolutely not. But I do try to learn something from everyone that I do call to or hunt, and, and every day. And I, you know, and I, I put that back in my memory bank for the next time that that he and I do battle. But uh, uh, it's always a learning process. Well. For many, for most, it's preseason. For some of those lucky enough to be in the southern zone of uh, Florida or hunting in Hawaii, their season's already begun. But how do you prepare, like right now, you know, Georgia, Alabama, it's going to open up here real soon, but how do you prepare in the preseason? Well, you know, I take that time to go through my gear, you know, uh, obviously shoot my gun, and if I want to change shells or try something different, you know, and and, and pattern my gun and make sure my point of aim is is where I want it and uh, go through my, my calls and my, my gear itself, like my vest. I pack my vest and get everything I need in it. So when I put it in the truck, I have it. When I take it out of the truck and put it on before daylight, I have everything I need right there. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of preparation there. And, and if I'm, you know, looking for a new call or want to add a, a different call or a different sound in my arsenal, Obviously, I'm going to find that and practice on that and become efficient with that call. And uh, then in the meantime, hopefully, I'll get a chance to go out and try to scout. And if I have a new hunting area, you know, try to walk the land and, and look for old sign and, and obviously look for deer sign at the same time. But, but you know, and, and listen for turkeys. Well, preparation certainly so important. And, uh, you know, you mentioned one thing in there, patterning your shotgun. If there's one thing I've found over the years of people that I've actually guided, that I've taken, or just listen, tell stories, that is one area that they just, for some reason, don't do on a regular basis, and that's pattern that shotgun. You change shells, change choke tubes, uh, you know, just looking at seeing, you know, where point of aim, point of impact is going to be, and uh, I know that, uh, you know, for me, I constantly am doing it, and uh you know, I've switched up. I've got a variety of turkey guns, as you might imagine. But uh, here in the last 20 seconds, any other thoughts you want to add to that important part of patterning your gun? Well, you know, nowadays shells are very expensive. So I would suggest that, you know, you get a few of your buddies, four or five of them, and everybody buy a, a different box brand shot size, whether it's TSS or whatever you all want to try, and trade those shells out. That way will be, you know, a lot less expensive and get patterning boards or or buy paper over here. You can go to Home Depot and buy a roll of paper for little or nothing and then stretch those up and, and put your dot up there, a turkey head or whatever you want to, to pattern and, and make it a, a, you know, a turkey hunter's affair. It's, it's fun to get together with the guys and you might even change chokes or trade chokes out if they fit your, your gun well and, and see uh, how everything shoots. Just like you're talking about, you have to have to find out where the point of aim is and which pattern it shoots the best. 
You bet. Well, look, we're going to move to our first break. We've got a lot to talk about. And, folks, we're going to continue our conversation with Walter. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, your host, right here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And we will be right back. Sirius XM's Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. This is Rob Keck, host of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, with the latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. This is Janet Atkinson, host of FFA Today, your in-depth look at the nation's premier youth organization. Get connected with Real Ag Radio. This is Sean Haney. We'll talk markets, agronomy, machinery, and cover the real-time issues affecting farmers and ranchers in all of North America. Rural Radio, Sirius XM 147, or listen on the Sirius XM app. I'm Larry Weissen, life member of the Dallas Safari Club, and I'd like to invite you to become a member of the world's finest outdoor conservation organization whose mission revolves around wildlife conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. DSC is a worldwide organization comprised of like-minded outdoor people who have granted more than $4 million in the last two years in support of projects involved in the scientific-based management of wildlife and habitat. To learn more and become a member, please go to biggame.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you've just tuned in, we're getting a calling lesson uh, and one on strategy as well from the Grand National Hall of Fame turkey caller and turkey calling champion, Walter Parrott. Walter, what's more important uh, in bagging a turkey? Good calling, good strategy, or woodsmanship? Well, all three basically, but I mean, you know, I... I I'd much rather be a good a good woodsman than anything else, you know, because he's aware of what's going on in other sounds and, and pays attention to, to everything he hears and sees. But, uh, yeah, strategy, and there again, like I said a while ago, you, you're learning something. If something doesn't go well, then then you take that into your memory bank and, and you re-strategize for the next day. And, and I do think that calling, good calling, does at times uh, make a difference. Uh, if you add it at the right time, you know, uh, and that brings you to a, a question a lot of people would ask me when I go with them, you know, they say, well, I, I thought you would call more. And mm-hmm. I say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to convince a judge that I'm the best caller on the stage. I'm just trying to convince that turkey that I'm a hen, hen and, and it's his mating season and that I just want to be part of it. That's all I'm yeah. trying to do. I'm going to not give him any more or any less. And that comes from experience because, as you well know, as we both have done, we've we've messed turkeys up before, and that's how you learn from experience. Uh, there's no question about that. And, uh, you know, when you look at, at strategy and then you look at, you know, your setup, you know, more and more hunters, I mean, you see it on outdoor television where guys are simply using gobbler decoys and, uh, you know, making that challenge type approach as opposed to just hen calling using a single hen decoy or or no decoy at all how do you decide what approach you're going to have walter well you're right it, it, everything has changed over the years back when we first started you know there, there was no decoys and, and i'm not even sure they were legal nobody even talked about them but um usually if i'm going to use decoys I, I have a tendency to use them in more open areas and if you are using a gobbler decoy, you're all you're, you're issuing a challenge, so you need to think about that. Anything you do gobbler related, you're, you're issuing a challenge to those turkeys. So you know, and and if you've seen something in the past that that uh, makes you think that 
you know, they're going to jump on another gobbler and they're very aggressive, then that might be the way to go. But, you know, yeah. you have to think those things out. They may turn and tuck tail and pop those wings and you not see them, you know, the rest of the day because yep. there's another gobbler that they don't want anything to do with. Uh, yep, absolutely. Your decoys, if they stand still, it seems from what I've seen in the past that when a gobbler, a turkey stands still in the woods, he's scared or he's getting ready to make a move or leave or something. And a lot of times those turkeys will act like they don't see that decoy in the woods as easily as they do if it's not moving. So mm-hmm. I've had just as good a luck without decoys in the woods and let them just come look for you naturally like in the old days like we used to, and there's nothing more exciting than that. Yep. Well, look, we've got some novice callers I know listening in here on the show, and what's your advice to them on getting started and learning how to call? Well, first they need to uh, buy a friction call, and by that I mean either a pot-style call or a box call. I started with a box call. And I still think that's the most realistic sound, sounding call there is anyway is a box call or a friction-type call. And also buy a mouth diaphragm, buy a, a straight-read call, a triple-read or a double-read or something that you can learn how to produce the sounds of the yelp, which is a high note and a low note, and you just quicken that up. But with a friction call, you can you can go, per se, let's sprint this spring, you can go ahead and go go hunt this this spring because they're a lot easier to use. And, and you need to figure out which type works for you the best. I mean, you can go to Bass Pro Cabela's. I guess they still have them. They, in the past, they've always had them out there where you can mess with them and, and figure out whether the box call feels more natural in your hands or, or the pot call. Or you may have a friend, someone, you know, that, that has a lot of calls, and you can go over there and try their calls and just see which one you feel the most comfortable with. And that's one you need to buy and master first. Well, with so many box calls out on the market, I mean, there's long boxes, there's short boxes, there's one-sided, there's two-sided, there's just a variety out there. Tell us, give us some advice on selecting a simple box call, and then how does it work? Well, my first box call was a one-on-one lynch, and I I, <laughs> I actually wore the side off of it to where it wouldn't even call. I reshaped it, but that's how crazy I was about hunting. Of course, that was yeah. back in the late 60s, and 70s, and 80s, you know, but... uh Yes, there are different types of box calls. I mean, we, here's one little one that's we'll call it a sharp box, and it's it's uh, actually has rainproofing on it. All right. So so it helps with the moisture content, you know. And the thing about these these rainproof calls is that you don't want to chalk that call because if you chalk it, it messes it up. It basically, makes it harder to run. But the the call itself, it has a it has a box sound chamber and a lid on it. It has a screw that connects it with a spring. And all you want to do to do the Yelp is just you just want to drag the lid over the top of the call because it already has the sound chamber and you don't need to put out any pressure at all. Just drag it across. That's that's basically uh, no no down pressure at all, and then just speed it up. Now this is a two-sided call, and if you have if you have trouble finding out and keeping your Yelps, you know, consistent. You can actually put your thumb up on the side here, way back on the back, and use it for a stop, like that one side of call that we were talking about. Sounds like a turkey. How, how about clucks? Can you cluck on that call? Yes, I can. You know, and this two-sided call, one side is, is uh, usually higher than the other, so I like to go to the deep side if I want to cluck, and I just put down pressure. Actually, there's a couple of different ways to do it. Put down pressure and lightly flick that lid off the top. I'm right in the middle of the paddle on the center of that edge. 
And then the other way is I put my thumb against the side, like as if I were going to cut and just let it lay there and just tap it lightly. Sounds good. You know, so many times when you hear a call up close, it doesn't maybe sound as good, although these sounded great. But when you get out in the wood and you put 100 yards between, you know, where the turkey is and where you are, it really comes across then if you put that right rhythm into that call. We're going to talk more about that right after this break, and we're going to continue our visit with Walter. This and a whole lot more coming right up, and I'm Rob Keck, your host here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, and I just want to thank you for joining us. We will be right back. Today's hunters are facing some real challenges. Nationally, we lose 6,000 acres of upland habitat every day. Hunter numbers are not keeping pace with population growth. Each of these puts our hunting lifestyle in danger. With your help, the National Wild Turkey Federation is tackling these challenges head on with its Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative. Our volunteers have committed to increase wild turkey populations and protect our hunting heritage by improving 4 million acres of habitat, creating 1.5 million new hunters and opening half a million new acres to public hunting. Join the NWTF today to help make these bold goals a reality. Visit nwtf.org for more information and to find out how you can help protect our way of life. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us. If you've just tuned in, we're visiting with Grand National Hall of Fame member, Redhead Pro Hunter, five-time Grand National Calling Champion, Walter Parrott. You know, Walter, there before the break, uh, you know, you were clucking on that box. Tell us again how you were making that sound. Well, I, as I said, the, um, this box call here has two sides to it, and usually one of those sides is higher than the other. And I, I like to go to the uh, deeper side of the call, and I just put the center of the paddle down and just flick it up. And away just slightly. Totally different than when you're making the yelp because when I make the yelp, I don't, I don't lift the lid off of the paddle <clears throat> at all, off the, off the box call. You leave the lid on there, and because when you go back, it doesn't really make a noise, so that helps you guide it. All right. Now you're delivering those sounds in the way that a turkey would, and we'll refer to that as rhythm. And, you know, for somebody that has not called, somebody that has not hunted turkeys, what do you recommend as sort of a benchmark for that new caller to listen to to pick up that rhythm that a turkey delivers those yelps and clucks? What would you recommend to them? I'd say go to YouTube. <laughs> you know, hey, That sort of covers everything, doesn't it? It, well, it really does, you know, and you, and you can listen to real turkey sounds. Don't don't worry about listening to other callers. Listen to real turkeys, and that's where you because your rhythm. Some are going to be broken. It depends on how excited the turkey is. It depends on whether she's just, you know, giving a plain hen yelp, soft yelping, and something. That's something that people learn need to learn to, to do is, is call softly. You know, anybody can run a call as loud as they can, and you hear most hunters that do. But learn to call soft. That's very important in hunting. Uh, but yes, go to YouTube, and and you can find anything you want. It's not like the old days when when you and I were trying to learn. You either had to have 
have turkeys or go to find somebody that has some tame turkeys to listen to, just something to get some rhythms, because it was hard to to have enough time to, in the season itself during those days to hear turkeys at yelping and, and get that rhythm and, you know, and, and hear them because a lot of times when they're hunted hard, they don't, you know, they don't talk much. And when they're flocked mm-hmm. up, they don't make a lot of noise. When that gobbler gets down and gets with those hens, there's not a lot going on. A lot of other soft calling and, and, and some spitting and drumming, you know, but yeah. it's hard. Any it's tips? hard to learn that. It's hard yeah. to learn that because of a time frame, you know, that you have to hunt. Yeah. Well, any tips, any shortcuts? And, uh, you know, how many turkey sounds does one actually need to master to be successful? Well, I think you need to learn, you need to yelp and cluck, no doubt, whether you just, you know, uh, limit the number of yelps. And the old adage is, if you don't call well, don't call often. You know, and, and the old timers... You know, they used to talk about sitting down there where gobbler's at and yelping three times. Well, there's a lot of merit to that. And you know that yourself. You know, sometimes sure. quiet is deadly, you know. Just, you know, let them know you're there. And that's a, that's basically a lot of times the way I start hunting. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, let them know you're there and kind of see what's going on, and, and especially if it's someplace you haven't been before. Well, do you carry more than one box with you? I only carry one. And it's it's a longer box than that little box that uh, that I have, and it's a cedar box. And I'll just run some yelps on it, if that's okay with you. Sure. No, I'd love to hear it. You better maybe cut a little bit. Man, listen to that sound. Listen to that rhythm. <laughs> I know that, that was fairly harsh <laughs> sounding. But no, well, you know, it, over the air, of course, it's it's a lot different, as I just alluded to a few minutes ago, that... You know, when you call in a room, you call over the telephone or you know, oh, you, yes. you call, you know, it, it's different than when you get out there in the woods. But that rhythm Absolutely. that you have is is the thing that really carries that sound through. I mean, my dad was a great example that he was not a good caller, but he had good turkey rhythm. And when I'd mm-hmm. get away from him in a distance, sometimes he'd put me down on my knees. I'm saying, man, is that a man or is that a turkey? And, uh, you know, sometimes yeah. turkeys make some of the worst sounding calls, as you well know, that, uh, you could even imagine. So yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but if I, those, those friction calls, even like you were talking about your dad, you know, he knew how to run that call. And it was a good sound of call. And that's why you went to your knees because when, like you said, when you get away from a good friction call and you, and just somebody knows how to run it, yeah. it will put you, it'll put your butt in the leaves. Now you'll be sitting <laughs> down. All right, out of the two, the yelp or the cluck, which one should this beginner that's listening right now learn to master? Oh, the yelp. Okay. No doubt, the yelp. And that's a hen yelp or a gobbler yelp? That would be a hen yelp. Okay. And here's something else, I mean, that's, I think it's misconception. I've heard it a lot. I've had gobblers come to me yelping that I thought was a hen. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Now, not not always, but so you know, that's something that uh, that's a contest call we'll talk about later. But anyway, <laughs> you know, uh, but yes, well, definitely the Yelp and go get go on YouTube and listen to those hens. And you don't have to sound exactly like that hen because they have different voices. If your call is clear, there's nothing wrong with that. If it's little, if it's raspy or in between. That's all perfect, and and the thing is that you don't know exactly what that turkey is going to respond to. 
Well, there's no question that turkeys, just like people, have their own unique voices. And uh, yes, they do. You know, when when I really get to hear uh, a variety, like on these wintertime flocks, I mean, man, oh man, I tell you what, it's just amazing. Oh yeah, the the variety of of sounds that you hear. And uh, although we don't have time for it right here in this segment, but uh, and we'll talk about it later. But what else would somebody consider as far as a another voice vocabulary that the turkey hunter might try to master? Well, I you know cutting I think is is something is it's an exciting call you know that you could add to the scenario of what's going on, but. You know, it, it just depends on what the setup is. Like you said, you know, before we talked about before, if he's, you know, if he's on the ground by himself and receptive and you yelp three or four times to him and he starts making ground to you, then there's nothing else you need to do. Yep. Just lay it down. It can it be down. as simple as that. It, it can be as, you know, as, as uh, <laughs> simple or complex as, as it can be, you know, it just depends on the scenario. And a lot of times the, per- the perfect scenario is that you let him know where you're at and he's coming. Yeah. Well, look, you need to get yourself ready. <laughs> well, we've got a lot more to talk about. We've got to take our next break, and we'll continue our visit with Redhead Pro Team member Walter Parrott. This and much more coming right up. And I'm Rob Kack, your host, right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And we will be right back. You know it takes the right habitat to conserve and grow healthy wildlife populations. At Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, we're committed to helping landowners voluntarily protect land and wildlife habitat forever. Benefits here go beyond protecting habitat for upland birds and wildlife. Native grasslands protect soil, provide valuable resources for the ranching community, and serve as a natural filter to enhance water quality for all. We need your help to protect America's grasslands for future generations. Creating and leaving a legacy is within your reach. At Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, we're here to help you make a difference. Healthy habitat and abundant wildlife. Build it today to last forever. To learn more about how you can help us protect America's uplands, please visit us at pheasantsforever.org legacy. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've just tuned in, we have with us one of the greatest turkey callers of all time, the only man to have won every major turkey calling contest, having won the Grand National, the NWTF Grand Nationals five times, and most recently inducted in the Grand National Hall of Fame. He's an original member of the Redhead Pro Hunting Team, my good friend, Walter Parrott. Walter, we've talked about box calls and turkey vocabulary in the earlier segments, and you know, besides a box call, uh, you know, you mentioned a pot call and other devices and uh, tell us about the pot call a lot of people are wondering are you talking about the drug or are you talking about something else <laughs> well no i'm talking about a turkey call rob <laughs> that's a good question um well you know used to you know they were made out of plastic pots and flower pots and different things and then they 
they come with a double slate and a slate over glass, and there's different configurations. A lot of them now are have wooden pots that are turned, and then some of them are just a single piece of slate, which I know you use, and it's one of my favorites for, for the turkey sounds, and I may scratch on that after a while just to let them hear the difference in the, vo- in the voices of the turkey. But but uh, basically, they're, they're a wooden pan, and what I have is a slate over, uh, slate over glass, and some of them are even like slate over woods, different sounding boards in there. But I personally prefer slate. There's glass, there's crystal, there's copper, there's all the other types of surfaces. Aluminum, <laughs> yes, aluminum, <laughs> and all types of different surfaces out there. But here's one thing that, that people misconcept about is, is moisture in a call when it rains, mm-hmm. a rainy day, yeah. when, it, when it's wet. They think their surface, when it gets wet, they think that it will not call. That's not what it is. It is a striker. As you well know, it's the striker itself. You need to have a waterproof striker in your vest at all times. And sometimes I even use them on a, a damp morning. It was real foggy here this morning, so I probably would have got my striker out and used on my slate call my waterproof striker, which is a carbon striker. Mm-hmm. And it will do the job when you need it to, but it'll run. It won't get that draw that moisture like a wooden striker will, and start squeaking and squawking and feeling slick as ice, you know. And that, that's that's got a lot to do with it is a striker. And when you say striker, a lot of times referred to as the peg, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure like many experienced turkey hunters, you've got a lot of different kind of pegs, a lot of different kind of strikers. And talk to us about matching a peg then to the pot. Well, I'm going to go back and say something I said a few years ago about you. I've seen you walk around the NWTF show picking up strikers and and (laughs) running them on calls, and I know exactly what you're doing because I do the same thing. I don't know how many people do that, but I just laughed when I seen you do it. I'm like, you find anything good? You go, yeah, a couple. But, but yeah, they're solid strikers made out of different woods, exotic woods. And there's two-piece strikers, and some of those are laminated. And what I mean by two pieces, they have a dowel that they glue into into the head of a of a maple uh, piece of wood, and use different woods. They'll put a hickory in there, or they'll put a rosewood, or this laminated, or various different types. But you need to find out which one of those strikers sounds the best on your call, and made them, yep. and you know, make this together, as you well know. But this is a, a this is a slate with a laminated striker, and when you find that striker, which side did it runs the best on? And mine runs. It seems like I try to get mine the laminated ones to where I'm calling across where they're glued. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. and I say my call the same way my striker would lay on there, but I mark on the side of my the head of my striker either put an arrow or something there. So when I pick that up and get ready to call, whether I'm, you know, even in competition, to something I did in competition, I would turn that striker to work. It would run when I wanted it to run. So And and the thing that, that I have done on my slate, and maybe you just said that and I missed it, I've tried to find the sweet spot on that slate because, exactly. you know, I, slate's I, I a natural that. material. Yeah, and the density That's of right. that slate can vary. And I put a notch and then I take – uh, a sharpie, and I actually mark that thing right. so that Put I can see on. it. Yes, uh, but I notch it too because a lot of times, if I'm tree calling early in the morning, I just I'm not it. looking down. I'm running my finger <laughs> yeah. over it, and I find right. it by that way, so I know exactly where it's going without even looking at the pot call. Exactly, 
Exactly. So here's well, here's the operation call, of the slide. Yeah, okay. let's go ahead. Call on one. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this slide the striker on there. I'm gonna have about three quarters of an inch sticking out from my fingers, and I'm gonna lean it back as if I was gonna write it's tilted away from me, not quite forty five degree angle. And I'm gonna leave this striker on the call because it's gonna help guide my yelp. And I'm just gonna make a little egg shape. Some people make a straight straight line. I make slight a slight egg shape with it. That's slow, but that's I'm just and you hear I'm going back up. I'm not taking my striker off. And that helps guide me. So now I'm just gonna speed that up. Well, you could definitely hear that double note in the yelp. I mean, that key yeah. elk. And, uh, you know, that is is absolutely key. And and if you get your fingers, let's say you've got moisture, you've got grease on your finger, and you touch that striking surface, how do you take care of it? What do you do to, to well, condition one, it? Either your strike, and your striker will become, it will, it'll become a little bit slick, just carrying it in your vest. You know, it'll glaze itself yep. over. I, I use... Most of the time, I use a medium sandpaper, and I keep a piece of Brillo pad also, and I use that on my slate unless it's really got something on it. And most of the time, that Brillo pad will, will take off whatever's on my slate, and I, I sand it across from the direction that I call, and I call against the way I sanded it. And, and the, uh, the striker, I'll just take a, a piece of medium sandpaper and just touch it just a little bit just to knock that glaze off of it. And now for like a glass call... Or, or something that's harder, crystal, I'll use even like a sanding disc, a real rough gridded sanding disc, or or a, stri- or a piece of stone, like a wet stone or a conditioning stone, they call it, mm-hmm. to shave just a, sl- just a little bit to take that slickness off of those calls. Well, if- Copper, obviously, just use like a medium sandpaper, but uh, yeah, aluminum, same thing. How many strikers do you carry in your vest? I've got about uh, half a dozen, I would say, and probably four of those are wooden. But, you know. <laughs> Look, we're going to come back there. we got to take our next break, and we'll continue our visit with Walter right here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. We are the young minds that will shape tomorrow's world. But today, the world is in your hands. What's your vision for the future? Since 1937, Ducks Unlimited has been the world leader in wetlands and waterfowl conservation, and we've had the same vision for the future for more than 75 years. A future with clean water, abundant wildlife, plenty of places to enjoy nature, and wetlands, sufficient to fill the skies with waterfowl today, tomorrow, and forever. Sure, there's still a whole lot of work to be done, but we know we can turn things around together because we are the next generation of DU conservationists. And with a little help from you, our future is looking really bright. Ducks Unlimited, working for conservation for generations to come. A public service from Ducks Unlimited. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And we are back. And thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you just tuned in, we're visiting one of the greatest turkey callers of all time, redhead pro hunter, Walter Parrott. Walter, before the break and I cut you off, we were talking about strikers, and you said about how many you carry. And uh, 
I cut you off. What were you going to say beyond that? Well, I mean, you know, I've got probably four four wooden strikers. Try to keep it no more than that because you get to digging around. But they're all they're all good, so they're all going to run if I pull one out, you know. But and they've got, all got a little bit different sound. But and then I've got uh, a waterproof striker in there, and then I've got an acrylic striker with a single piece of slate, which we didn't talk about. But you know, back to the friction calls, I will I will say that and. I don't know if a lot of hunters do this or not, but I have a tendency to, when I'm hunting, I use those more than I do my mouth call at first mm-hmm. because I, because I can hear better. Yep. I can, exactly. if that makes any sense, you well, know, I can, hear, I can hear a response uh, better and, and something else I don't do. I, I don't usually start off calling with a, with a turkey call because when you get to that stage that where you have to, the only time you can get a response is with a turkey call, things are probably getting pretty tough. <laughs> but I like to use a locator call even up in a day, you know, which, which we didn't really even talk about, but, and that's an owl call or a crow call. Mm-hmm. And that's something that people, you know, people need to pay attention in the woods to what a crow sounds like when you hear one respond to a gobbler and try to imitate that. And the same way as an owl, you know, but those are the calls that I try to use first before I use a turkey call. Yeah. And I need. I guess what? I need to go back and demonstrate. I was getting off on hunting there. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We're going to come back. Talk, I was getting ready to talk about getting a response and sitting. And before I, you know, before I call, I always look around to, to see where I'm going to sit down. You know, because you don't ever know. That's something. Well, that's I, exactly you know, you've right. Been caught, you've been caught before yourself. You know, make a turkey call, <laughs> and next thing you know, they're within gun range, and you're like, "Boy, that was stupid. Why did I do that?" You know. Yeah, exactly. Especially We've all been. Spine, expensive for spying there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I've got some rapid-fire questions I want to give to you, and I want either a one, two, or three-word answer. No paragraphs. Okay. Okay? Okay. First state, first state you'll turkey hunt this spring. Georgia. The last state this spring. Nebraska or Kansas. Favorite state to hunt. Next one I'm going to. (laughs) Favorite subspecies to turkey hunt. Oh, gosh. Eastern, I guess. The rest of them make you feel pretty good about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Easiest call to use. Push button. Your favorite calling device. The one I can talk him into coming to. Your selection, long box or short box? Long box. Single or multiple read mouth call? Multiple. Split read? Cutter. Yes. Choice, if you had to pick one, slate, glass, or aluminum pot call? Slate, always. Your wet weather call? Oh, slate with a waterproof peg, which I've got a plastic one that sounds great. Tube call, the mouth diaphragm. The turkey vest of your choice? Bucklick Creek. Amen. Number of calls you carry in your vest? Including locator calls? Yep. Yep. (laughs) One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, probably 12. (laughs) The longest beard you've ever taken? 11 and three quarters. And I let a guy shoot one that was 12 inches. (laughs) Longest spur. Longest spur. Longest spur. One and seven-eighths, and the other one was a click longer. 
Heaviest turkey. turkey. Heaviest turkey. What it weigh? Twenty-five pound Eastern in Missouri drawn. Do you use so decoys? Probably be, yes, at times. How? How Most many? Usually two, possibly three what, hens. What's your choice? Hen, Jake, or gobbler decoy? Hens. It's safer. Favorite turkey gun? Uh, that's a hard <laughs> choice. I got a Benelli M2 that I like. What brand gauge. choke tube? Indian Creek, always. None better. You said 12-gauge, right? I did, but I got a 20-gauge also. Turkey ammo of choice. Man, that's tough. (laughs) Winchester, Heavy 13, TSS, you know, that's tough. (laughs) There's some good ones. Shot size. Mm, Fives and lead and... Sevens and TSS. All right. I think you passed. <laughs> I did? You did. All right. Pick up that pot call. Okay. And I want and I want you to give us give us some kind of a, a medley of calls on that thing. Just imagine, you know, you you've got one that answered. Give us some calls okay. on that. Well there again, like I said, I'm not I'm usually not gonna do a lot. I don't want guys to go out there and wear their calls out because that's what they generally do when they first start hunting. They just keep yep. calling and calling and calling and, and, you know, and he just, he's not going to take a lot of that. You know, he yep. might, but chances are good that he's not. So if he answers me, he's probably not going to get anything for, you know, three or four minutes and then next time I'll probably maybe a little more excited, just cut a little bit. How do you decide when to call? Here's a good rule of thumb right here. If, if I call to him and he gobbles and he doesn't say anything else. I wait three or four minutes and I don't hear or see anything and I make another little call and he doesn't do anything. You better get your gun up. Mm-hmm. And you should really should already have your gun up because I'm sitting there with my gun up on my knee anyway. Being ready. And yes, because we don't, we didn't even talk about that at all. And we, you asked me about the vest, the vest, the, the Bucklick vest, Bucklick Creek vest allows you to do that with a seat it has in it. You can pull those straps up and you can lean, sit, lean or sit anywhere you want. If it's in a, in a briar patch or wherever you need to sit, you can sit down there if you have to. You can sit there and sit with your knee up, slump your rump, and get your knee up high enough that your gun is pointed toward the gobbler in shooting position. Yep. We've got to take this break. Uh, we've got our final break of the show, and uh, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, – this setup that Walter's talking about here. And we're going to be, of course, coming back with Redhead Pro Hunter, Walter Parrott. This and a whole lot more coming right up. Years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources. And it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt's forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet to this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. 
We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts. Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrocketclub.com. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And we are back. And thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you just tuned in, we're visiting one of the greatest turkey callers of all time, Redhead Pro Hunter, Walter Parrott. Walter, before the break and I cut you off, we were talking about, you know, timing of calls and uh, being ready and that bucklick vest. Just pick it up there again as that turkey's approaching. Okay. Well, when I sit down with a bucklick vest, what I want to do is I'm going to take my uh, shoulder straps and take them off of me because I got handcuffed one time trying to turn around because the gobbler came in behind me. So take those off and tuck them in. You don't need those. And you pull your seat up where you need them, and you can get any call out of your vest you need to. Get your gun up in a shooting position. Look where you're looking, basically right down the barrel. And, and if the gobbler doesn't answer the second time, you better be sitting there looking for him because most a lot of times he's coming in. And that's that's a fact. And you may just hear him spinning and drumming. And if you don't know what that is, you, again, when you're on YouTube and learning how to call, you need to learn what that sound is so you know exactly what it is and tune yourself into it. And when you sit down, you need to sit someplace. I'm going to back up just a little bit. When you sit down, you need to sit someplace that's as wide as your shoulders. That's a, an old adage from it's safety first. Always safety yeah. first. Sit with someplace that will protect your back and set with the sun back over your shoulder. You don't want to be facing the sun because you're shining, you're lit up, you're going to get picked off. If if uh, you can't get it with behind your back, get it where it's least parallel in you or sit someplace where you're in the shade a little bit. And if you're in hilly country like where I grew up, you don't want to get too close to the edge of the hill because if it's raining and the leaves are damp, you can't hear him approach. And you don't want to be surprised. Back up that ridge just a little bit to give yourself a little time to move yourself right to left if you need to and use trees to move if you have to. For when he's behind a tree, you can move your gun slightly then. But do not set too close to the edge because I've had them walk up to me and poke their head up and be well within range and nothing you can do about it and turn around and walk off. Or if you try to move, they're going to see you. Great advice. Make sure your gun is... If your gun's pointing at him the best you can and if he gobbles and he's on his way... And he's farther to your left, you need to move to your left. If you're right-handed, you know, you need to set set up with your left shoulder pointing toward that gobbler. If you're, if you're left-handed, I put my right shoulder toward him because I can, I can go to my right much farther than I can to my left and vice versa for a right-handed shooter. So that, those are things you need to think about. And never sit down with a tree in front of you that's going to obstruct your gun barrel from waving or moving your gun basically 360 degrees but you could probably get away with 180 yeah well look walter we're about out of time and one call that we did not talk about that i wanted to talk about here were mouth calls and uh you know there's different brand sizes single multiple read split read mouth calls just give us a little bit and then tell us about how to run a mouth call and give us a little call and if you would okay well you know the I said a while ago, you know, you need to buy a mouth call because that's the hardest one there is to learn to use. And it's just you're controlled by air pressure. Your tongue, you put your tongue on there and you need to learn to flow the air across the latex no matter how many reads it is. Like I said, turkeys call clear. They call rasp. They call in between. 
but you need to get the high note and the low note is what the what the uh, Yelp is made up of. I'll try to do it. I've got a cutter type call here, and, and one reason I like this cutter type call is because I can call clear and raspy on it. Some of those calls that you buy that are split in the middle now, you're, you're going to be leaning more toward continuous rasp than anything else. Learn to do that, and I'm going to put more pressure on it, get higher. Drop my tongue a little bit, slightly. It's going to give me a double note. You notice my second note is a little bit raspier. In a, in a double read or triple recall, that will be clear. It'll be a distinct high-low, and that's why you need to, to buy that call so you can determine and learn how to do that. Here's what this little call sounds like. You can learn to sound like a couple different hens. Walter, you have not lost anything since you've uh, stopped competition calling. Uh, my gosh, I'll tell you what, I just forgot how good you really are. Well, look, we're just about out of time. Why don't you uh, share with us some final thoughts here in the last uh, 30, 45 seconds? Well, my final thought always comes back to safety, Rob. It really does. And uh, I always worry about that. Even when I'm hunting with someone or by myself, and I always think safety first. My dad instilled that every time we went in the woods. And, I mean, he was a big quail hunter, and he always said, two's company, three's a crowd. And if I messed up, I'd be watching. So I never did anything that I wasn't supposed to be doing, and it's always safety first. And, you know, you can't take back what you've already done by turning loose a shot on something you're not sure of or identifying your target. And you'll get another chance. If something don't work out, it's better to be safe than sorry. Great advice. Your dad hit it right out of the park. And that's good advice for everybody listening here today. Walter, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Best of luck this season, and be safe. Folks, that's going to wrap it up right here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And I'm Rob Keck. On behalf of Bass Pro Shops, where your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to conservation and preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and Trapping Heritage. We'll see you next week. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Talking all things outdoors. Brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations.